There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The choice of a lawyer is important and shouldn't be based on an ad. After a serious car accident, people have two questions. Why me and what now? Well, no one knows why you, but I'm Terry Crouppen, and my law firm Brown & Crouppen sure can help with the what now. Car repairs, medical bills, lost wages, pain and suffering. We're Brown & Crouppen, and we've got all those answers. All you have to do is call. 222-2222. Live from the Michelob Ultra Studios, KPN-TFM HD2, Collinsville, St. Louis. This is TMA All Day. And as moist as a freshly baked Cocker cake. It's the Brown and Crouppen Morning After. KPN-TFM HD2, Collinsville, St. Louis. How's Josh Hamble going to handle it when he hears this on Saturday at 2.30? And I hope it's Rich Wetzel and Aaron Taylor again. Oh, God. You missed out on that, James, oh, by no, being at I the game. It. Oh, you rewatched it. <laughs> well, when I'm, when I'm sitting in the 600 level watching with binoculars practically, you have to, you have to go rewatch it. You went back it. and you did that yeah, to yourself? I figured out how it all fell apart. That's I right. I'm telling you. Where'd you I, stay there? Hard to get a room there? No, I have a friend that lives there. He's a Mizzou alum, but he lives in Athens. Oh. Yeah, so I got lucky there. Look at you. Yeah. Uh, hey, before we go to the Colonel, who was presented to you by James Carlton, who is in studio here on TMA, presented to you by Brown and Crouppen, Illinois Recovery Center is the new premier inpatient substance abuse facility in Swansea, Illinois. When it comes to the disease of addiction... Getting help should not be as difficult as it currently is. The Illinois Recovery Center's mission is to be the receiving hand in the community when someone seeks help. The IRC delivers a comprehensive system of care that welcomes both the individual struggling and family alike. If you or someone you know wants to learn about the Illinois Recovery Center, please call 888-472-9559 or email info at IllinoisRecoveryCenter.com. Design Air Heating and Cooling email today comes your way in about a half hour. We're giving away a table to TMA Trivia Night at St. Gabriel's. For the winner for the Design Air Heating and Cooling email of the day today. So an incentive for the Rat and Bloomsdale to come out of retirement the morning after at InsideSTL.com. Uh, you can get your tickets for Trivia Night at TMASTL.com. And don't forget all of your AB products and all of your salt and smoke included for $45 this Saturday. And now no doggies game, Doug? No. And surprisingly... No Missouri game at the same time. I wonder what happened there. I, I was, right when that happened, I was thinking about bothering the colonel for his opinion. But you know what? I'm going to bother colonel for his opinion right here. Gabe, before we go into uh, a lot of Georgia talk, uh, what, what do you think happened with Missouri getting the 2.30 slot? I, th I feel like it was like some unique little spot here with the SEC. And yeah. So there's a rule that a uh, team can only appear on, S on CBS, I think it's five times okay. during the season. Georgia has been on four. If they put Georgia Old Miss on, they can't put Georgia Tennessee on. Um, the other option was LSU Florida, and LSU Florida is a bad game between a pretty good team and a pretty terrible team. Yeah. Uh, so they put Missouri Tennessee this week, and we'll have Georgia Tennessee uh, the last week of the regular season, or the next week, I'm sorry. Got it, on November 18th when Missouri hosts. 
Florida. Iggy had that game at the Swamp, mm. but we looked it up, and that's actually going to be in Columbia this yeah, year. Here. Yeah. So uh, we we, bro- uh, we broke that story. I mean, if you could credit us, I'm su- I'm surprised you didn't know all the details there. Uh, that that <laughs> seems off brand, really. <laughs> uh, Colonel, uh, I got the sense from watching you on Saturday night, and as you know, my wife and I watch you on YouTube. It's kind of you know what we do. Uh, yeah, I mean, 7 o'clock is an early bedtime. Exactly. And I got the sense that you were surprised, maybe surprised is overstating it, but I'm going to use the word surprised by how well Missouri competed in that game, not from an effort standpoint, but they held up, and, and from my standpoint, in the trenches. Um, so I, w- I wanted to see if that is a fair assessment, a fair read. Yeah, I mean, I thought going in, Missouri would have to play its best game, and Georgia would probably have to not play all that well for Missouri to win. That wasn't the case. Missouri belonged on that field. Um, You watch those teams, and look, I don't think Georgia played a a perfect game, but neither did Missouri. I also don't think either one of them was terrible. You know, I think Missouri might have even made a couple more mistakes than Georgia did, and they have the ball with the chance to take the lead with eight minutes left. I, I mean, if there is separation between those teams, and, and there is, but it's not nearly as big, I think, as we thought it was probably on Saturday morning. Georgia has, in its, you know, 42 and one stretch, they've won something like four games by single digits. And two of them have been against Missouri. Yeah. You know, so um, I thought last year was Georgia looking past it, Georgia not being super interested. I didn't think that this year. I, I thought Missouri went in and had Georgia's attention and still gave them everything they could handle. Yeah, if Mizzou is not quite there to play and, and beat the top teams in the country, what do the Tigers have to do? Where do they need to improve to, to be one of the best teams in the country? See, the thing is, I, I don't think it – I mean, yeah, they, they need more depth, right? They could use one more guy here or there. They could – Sure, they'd be better if Jaden Daniels was quarterback, whatever. But really, when the margin is so narrow, they've lost two games to top 20 teams, and you change one play, and it changes the result. So I don't think it's anything that's missing. I think it's making that play on the at the right time. I mean, we've talked so many times about Gary Pinkle and whatever his legacy was at Missouri and how different it is if he wins any one of those four uh, conference title games. It wasn't that his teams weren't good enough. wasn't that he didn't have the talent or something was lacking in his program. It was on that day, the other team played a little bit better than his team. Um, you know, it, it, those teams were good enough to do that. They just didn't do it. Missouri was good enough to win on Saturday. They just, it, and the obvious one is the interception, but there are a number of other plays there that you say, change this, and, and it might change that outcome. James, I figure you're loaded for bear. James was uh, in the building with you, uh, Colonel. I was probably a lot higher up than you were. I was in the 600 level. I mean, it was like watching micro machines down there. But uh, yeah, you didn't like your seats. 200 level. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so just some things that I think might have flown under the radar in terms of how big of an impact uh, they either could have or did have. Mizzou was three for three in the red zone, but two of those were field goals. And, and the one that yeah. really stings, in my opinion, is when they come out in the second half tied. They had a great drive going. They get stalled by a false start, and it derailed the drive, ended up kicking a field goal to go up 13-10 rather than 17-10, which you know would have been a huge momentum shift. If Chuck Hicks 
either had like an extra inch vertical or was an extra inch taller. Carson Beck did not see him sitting in the middle of the field on that last second to last drive they had, right which, which put him up uh, nine instead of six. If he picks that, Mizzou's got all the momentum with a chance to drive and win the game. And this was after that Brady Cook interception to Stackhouse. So, I mean, I think that flew under the radar. And I think another thing is just enough credit to give that freshman kicker for Georgia. Yep, I mean, I agree. he had an a 48 yarder and he spot. had an attempt at a 44, anything over a 44 yarder. He was three for three. None of them were particularly close. I mean, he drilled every one of those. And that's the one that put him up nine uh, after the, the goofy pass interference calls that they had that were reviewed and so forth. So, I mean, just some things that flew under the radar, in my opinion, anything that stood out to you that, you know, outside of that interception that cooked through that you thought may have swayed the game. Yeah, I mean, throwing Georgia's first touchdown um, to Dom Lovett, I, I mean, Daylon Carnell is there. He jumps up. He's in position to make the play. The ball goes just between his arms. And, like, it's not a bad play. It's, it's If the ball is thrown two inches to the right or two inches to the left, it is batted down, and it's 3-3, three, three, not 7-3. And, and maybe that changes things, you know. Um, so, I, I think – or I'm, I might have been – I don't know exactly what the score was, but it was their first touchdown, and it changes – it would have been 7-6 Missouri instead of 10-7 Georgia. So, that changes some things. Um, it, and like I said, it, it all, all these games come down to one or two plays. Seasons come down to two or it's three true, plays. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think uh, – I, I think also – and most people, I think, have done this. But we go into every game – just looking at the team we cover and the team we follow and holding them to this mythical standard of perfect without understanding what's on the other side. That is the best program in college football. Carson Beck, when he had to have it, almost always did it. Lad McConkey came up with some huge plays. Without Brock Bowers, Oscar Delp had some big plays, including a touchdown and then drawing a pass interference call in the end zone. So, you know, if, if you're grading these, this performance, if you're asking questions about this performance, whatever, realize who's on the other side, too. You know, a, a nine-point loss to Georgia, you probably actually played better than you did in a four-point win over Middle Tennessee. 100%. Uh, the other guys have scholarships, yeah. and they try. Doug. Hell, they's on scholarship, too. Yeah, there you go, Colonel. You can use that if you want. <laughs> another thing you're going to have to credit this show for. I'll do my best. Thank you. Uh, Gabe, uh, let's talk about the play that certainly is getting the most attention for my money. It was the Drayden Norwood uh, pass interference because I think that was a monster game changer. And I was in your chat the whole time. Eli Drinkwitz agreed with you. Yeah. uh, And you uh, immediately said... Man, that was a late flag. Uh, and I, were you observing? Like, did you see the official throw it, or did you did, it, did the announcement, or how did you observe that? Yeah, I saw the flag, but I mean, it was it was two seconds. You know, it was after you already said, "Oh, Missouri got to stop." Yeah, it's fourth and, and seven. Georgia will be punting down thirteen to ten. Right, and and I misidentified. I thought it was Ennis Rakestraw. It looked like number two. It was number 12. Right. Um, I know that in part because I tweeted, man, that was a late flag on Ennis Rakestraw. And then, like, the next day I saw a reply from Ennis Rakestraw said, not me. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I enjoyed that. But, um, look, I thought it was – I've talked to people that and, – and you got to understand, you guys see more on TV than we do. I'm 300 yards from that play, right? I, I can't really – tell what's going on i don't have a reverse angle in 19 cameras i have talked to missouri people who say if you watch the video he had a hold of him on his back so you can make the argument that but my problem was 
The ball was three yards behind the receiver. That's the issue. That's the issue. The only guy that had a chance to catch that ball was Drayden Norwood. You know, um, and and I don't really think uncatchable comes into play as much in college football. Maybe defensive holding would have been a better call than than pass interference. I I don't know if he held him or not. I mean, he had his arm on him. I understand that. It was a tough call. Um, But I also think, you know, Chris Abrams' train got away with a pretty obvious one deep downfield earlier in the game. There was one pass interference call that went in Missouri's favor that I thought, I, I, I don't really see the flag there either. My main takeaway was I came out of that game not knowing what pass interference is. And frankly, I'm not sure the officials who called the game know either. Yeah, the uh, they also missed a face mask two plays, I believe, before the uh, the pass interference on Hopper that surprised yeah. Rich Wetzel and Aaron Taylor, but they were surprised by a number of things throughout the course of the game. Uh, <laughs> Kearney, yeah, that was, that was really, really something else for a network game. Uh, with regards to the, the the play that certainly most people are focused on, the Brady Cook interception um, by uh, Mr. Stackhouse, what uh, what did you hear from the coaches? I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to anybody else about that play, and uh, in your perspective. Yeah, so Eli said it was what they call a tight end hide route, um, which Brady was rolling right a little bit. Brett Norfleet's coming across the formation to the left, and the goal is hey, everybody goes to the right and loses track of the tight end coming back across the field, and you have this little drag route that, you know, it's a three-yard throw that could become a 20-yard play. Um, Drinkwood said he was watching Norfleet and he was open. I'm frankly not sure that's true. Yeah, I don't there know was what that's a Georgia about. defender with him. I thought even if that ball doesn't hit Nazir Stackhouse in the chest, I'm not sure it's completed, you know. Um, but – Stackhouse did a good job. He did not go with Brady Cook. He stayed home, and so when Brady Cook goes to throw that pass, I mean, he's he's right there. He jumps up, and, and I, I do think we are underselling how good of a play that was for a defensive tackle. I mean, there's a lot of 320-pound guys that get hit in the chest with that, and it just falls to the ground, right? right. And right. so maybe it's fourth down. I can't remember what down it was, but, you know, maybe you don't score there, but also maybe Georgia doesn't get the ball back. Um, and it's easy to say, how can you miss the biggest guy on the field? How can you throw that? Also, a lot of the plays like that are just things where, you know, hey, you run this, and this is where it, this is where it should be. You, this is you turn and throw the football. Now, I, I'm not excusing Brady Cook. It, it was a terrible time to make probably his worst throw of the season, right? Um, but I, uh, we also don't know enough to know, like, hey, is there a read there? Is there another option? Should he just know, oh, hey, there's this huge guy. I should tuck it and run or cut my losses, whatever. Um, you know, because when I asked Eli about it, obviously he hadn't seen film, and he said he has to do more. And, frankly, I've always been of the opinion by the time we talked to him again, again on Tuesday, I don't really care. Hey, so tell me about when you watched film of that play. Like, it was three days ago. I'm done with that. You know, so – um, I, I don't know all the details, but obviously it was. I mean, they are at, they're at midfield. They need 50 yards to take the lead on number one in the country, and then they never got the ball with a chance to to in a one score game again. So yeah, I mean, it, it changed the game. I honestly, I, it's really too bad with the season that Brady's had that that was the play. But that's what happens when you're the quarterback. What do you think Drinkwitz does here this week to to prevent a, a complete letdown Saturday and and for the rest of the season? 
I mean, I don't see why there should be a letdown for this team. The, the, the Tennessee team coming in has hung 60 on you two years in a row. Um, they have, The year before that, they beat you 35-12. I mean, they have more so than Georgia been your nemesis right the last few years. Um, Missouri has a ton to play for. If, if they win Saturday, they are on target for a 10-win season, which is like the sixth or seventh one in school history. Uh, they have a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl, may not get it, but, but are at least in the conversation, you know, a top 12 ranking, all that. Uh, there's a lot to play for for this team. And on one hand, I think it's good that you have Tennessee coming in because it's a game that you have to get back for and say, okay, let's go. But on the other hand, I, I do understand people that say, man, that, that one might linger with them for a couple days. Maybe if it was Florida, then Tennessee, it would be a little bit better, but the schedule is what it is. Um, you cannot let the Georgia game beat you twice because there is a difference between 10 and two and nine and three. And, you know, I, I think I said last week talking to Tim on one of the shows that I do with him that in a lot of ways, obviously Georgia was the most important game of the year, but also you could argue it was the least important one left on the schedule because that was always kind of a loss in our minds, you know, and I, the team didn't approach it that way, but we always looked at that as, yeah, you're, you're going to lose that one. But Tennessee was one that before the season, I think everybody said, yeah, that's probably a loss. And now, I, I mean, the line, like different teams favored depending on where you get the line at. So this is a true coin flip. Gabe, you've been covering college sports a long time. And, and we've seen defensive you know, D2 players uh, make their way to the NFL. Certainly see it in basketball with transfers and them lighting it up. But for a guy that is the running back to go from Division Two to perform at this level, and, and he was the guy that they put out there to talk after the game, and I loved what he said. I mean, they came there to win, uh, just like Tim always wanted. We're not there for style points or to impress people right. that were, were on the field with Georgia. We want to win this game, and he is such an amazing guy to root for. Can you recall of any football player uh, that has gone from Division Two to Division One and had this kind of success? I mean, obviously. Division two, maybe not necessarily, but like, you know, Stetson Bennett, his story is is a little bit similar to this. Like he went to Georgia and basically wasn't good enough. You know, took off, went to JUCO, came back as a walk on, and and won back to back national titles. The Baker Mayfield story, um, you know, has some of this. Um, but no, what Cody has done this year is incredible. I mean, I, I will admit, I was in the crowd that even three or four games in, I was going. Yeah, I just don't know how good you can be if he's your guy. And, I mean, he was Missouri's best player on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was in a game littered with four- and five-star talent. And he belonged on that field. And I I think you can make the argument, had they committed to him a little bit more, it improves their chances of winning because he was the one thing that was – it was always working. I mean, he he was getting five, six, seven yards of carry pretty regularly. Breaking tackles beating guys to the corner, which I, I would never have thought uh, could be done. Uh, he leads the SEC in rushing. I, I looked up the numbers this morning with four games left. Like He has a legitimate chance to probably rank about fourth on the single-season all-time rushing list at Missouri, which is unbelievable. Yeah, that's a hell of an accomplishment. I mean, he was so good on Saturday. Is there any way they can get another year out of him, a COVID year or come up with something? Um, no, I think he's done. I don't think there – I mean, I know there no longer seem to be term limits on college football players, <laughs> but I think he has to be done. Yeah. 
Uh, Colonel, I uh, always enjoy reading uh, 10 things on a Monday morning on powermazoo.com, and you're uh, laying out the potential scenarios with regards to uh, bulls. Um, I saw ESPN's projections with uh, Missouri uh, either playing Iowa in the Citrus Bowl or uh, going to the Liberty Bowl and playing Kansas State again, and that's something Doug would like to see. Mm, like no, to see I him, don't. Like to see him play K State again. No. Uh, what uh, What do you think the best case scenario is, and the most realistic, exciting opponent is? Assuming that you're not excited by the idea of Iowa or a rematch with Kansas State. Right. No, the best case scenario is the Cotton Bowl or the Peach Bowl. Like they can still get in those. You know, New Year's Six Bowls. Now, they need some help. They need some teams to, to lose. Um, well, first of all, they've got to go 10-2. I mean, if, if that's any possibility, they need to win out. Um, they would need to probably leapfrog over Ole Miss and, you know, um, Oklahoma. They're going to have to pass. Those, those teams, they need to be in the top 11, basically, of the final college football playoff ranking. So they need to win out. They need some, some teams in front of them to lose. If that doesn't happen um, – I think because I think either Missouri or Ole Miss probably gets into that Cotton Bowl or Peach Bowl. Um, I think one of those two will be in the top 11. The other one is likely going to be slated for the Citrus Bowl. Again, this is if Missouri's tended to. Um, they go 9-3, and three, then they're down in a tie with LSU. LSU beat them, and, and they might slip down to, to the ReliaQuest or the Gator Bowl. Uh, Tax Slayer Bowl, I guess, is what it's called. But you're looking at a Big Ten or an ACC opponent. I mean, there are situations where that could be Penn State. There are situations where that could be Iowa-Nebraska-Rutgers. Uh, situations where it could oh, be nice. North Carolina, Clemson, mm-hmm. Miami. You know, um, so that that's kind of the, the pool you're talking about. Um, I think Missouri probably would like Louisville to lose another game or two. That would help them out, um, especially if, if Kentucky was one of those teams that beat Louisville. So yeah. I, I would say, you know, if not playoff, I think they'll play in Florida in the Citrus, ReliaQuest, or, or Taxlayer Bowl. The only caveat to that is, you know, if they're not in the Citrus, because the Citrus gets the top pick of teams not in the, in the Access Bowl, if they're not there – if for some reason the school says, hey, we'd rather play in the Music City Bowl than in Florida. Now, I don't think they should do that. I wouldn't do that um, because I think the, the Outback and the Gator Bowls are better bowls. But, I, you know, I'm not the one making the decision about, hey, when players are done and when how many fans can go and this and that. But, but I think you 100% take the most high-profile bowl game you can get. Chance to play Rock Chalk? Mm-hmm. Um, it's possible, but again, the big 12 isn't in any of those Florida bowls. So the only way you're playing KU in all likelihood is if you are, you know, like a Texas Liberty type, something like that. And I don't know, I, I, again, the Gator bowl and the Outback bowl and the citrus bowl are all, they're better bowls, even regardless of what the opponent is, like you're playing on January 1st in Florida, that's a bigger deal than playing in Nashville or in Liberty or, or I mean, Memphis or Houston. Um, so I, I think it seems unlikely that that's uh, going to happen. Mm-hmm. Also, I, I like bowl games that, like to me, Miami, Clemson, even like they, those appeal more to me. You know, they're going to play KU in a couple of years. They've played KU a hundred times, like, 
I like kind of newer things. Oh, I'm not. I'm personally not looking for Kansas. There was the story last year that Missouri avoided it, although I'm, I'm, I would understand it if they did. But uh, the reason I'm asking about it is I'm sure some fans are wondering if there is a collision course um, for those two teams with Kansas being a two-loss team. I'd love to see them play Penn State. God, I don't feel like Missouri's played Penn State in, I don't even know, 40-plus years. My guess would be the 1970 Orange Bowl. Is, hey, the is that right? I don't know that for sure. About that? With Terry McMillan, at quarterback for the Tigers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and I think five interceptions or something like that in that yeah. game. Five turnovers. Yeah, we can forget about that part. Uh, James, do you have any other? Uh, James, James comes with notes and data, and we're all uncomfortable with it, uh, uh, Gabe. Well, we, we saw the Tigers slide in the AP and coaches poll, and we know how those polls are casted. But, uh, but on the CFP poll, I mean, that's a committee that, that really, you know, argues and litigates, you know, where teams should be. And I, you, if you look at the box score, I mean, first downs, 21-21, third down efficiency, five for 13 for Mizzou, six for 13 for Georgia, both one for one on fourth down, total yards, 363 to 385, um, time stack, three each. I mean, everything was pretty much other than turnovers, mirror, you know, mirroring each other. I just wonder if uh, if they take a look at if in that game and if Mizzou even slides. And and how important is that final CFP ranking for the bowl slots? Is it is it matter by conference, or does that does that play a heavy weight into how they get into one of these New Year's Six Bowls? No, the final ones, you need to be in the top 11 uh, because it's com- it's the top, I don't know, six conference champs and six at-larges. So you just need to be in the top 11 because whether that's Tulane or whoever else, like even if that team's 19th, it's taking a spot as the next highest-rated conference champ. But these playoff rankings, like Tuesday night's playoff ranking, it does not matter at all. They're, they're just for entertainment. And at the end of the year, they can easily go, hey, we, yeah, well, we know we've had these teams up here, but, like, really this one should be down here. So we're just switching it around to make sure everything's right at the end. Um, you know, I mean, Missouri only fell one spot in the coaches' poll and two spots in the AP. Like, that's minimal damage for a loss. You know, I don't think anybody can be upset about where Missouri ended up in the polls yesterday. Um I think when the playoff rankings come out, I think they should be the top two-loss team in the country. Their two losses, to me, are better than Oklahoma's two losses, right? And I know Oklahoma beat Texas, um, but, you know, Missouri has has had some quality wins. K-State and Kentucky, I think both will be top 25 teams. Well, K-State probably won't. They'll probably fall out. But, um, you know, I, I think I would slot them above Oklahoma personally. I don't think maybe the committee will, but Missouri will be in that. 12 to 14 range. Um, I don't think they'll fall past that. Other teams around them lost this week, which helps. I mean, like Oklahoma State has won five in a row, and they've only got two losses. But the whole season counts, and Oklahoma State got beat 33-7 by South Alabama. They can't be above Missouri. They haven't had a better season than Missouri. You know, so they're in the conversation. They've got to go take care of business and win three games and see what happens from there. Oklahoma State has had the most – demonstrative change in their football season for anybody in yeah. Power Five. I mean, holy crap, it looked like that might be the end for Mike Gundy, that South Alabama game. And then they beat K-State, and then they win the final bedlam. And uh, Gundy has all his equity back. Colonel, a final thought for you here. Um, and this would fall under the category of, Doug, what do you always say? If my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. uncle. That's yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2013, if there is a four-team playoff like there was starting in 2014, there is a chance Missouri would have gotten in. I don't know. They had two losses. But at least it would have been more live going into that game against Auburn. And this year, 
I really do. Th- I mean, I, I, with, in my mind, Missouri is one of the top 12 teams in the country. I don't even think that's a sweat at this point. Um, I don't know how it'll fall when it's all said and done because we'll, we'll see over the final three weeks. But with that said, uh, it's a shame that they won't be in the, in the playoff this year because there won't be a playoff this year. But if there was, I really think that you could see them in there. And you essentially just had number one or two play against number 12 this past weekend, and you saw that they could play with them. Um, and so it, it stands out to me that this is a rare year where either Missouri is really good or the top isn't as isn't, – there isn't as big of a gap between the top one, two, or three teams as there usually is in college football. Usually there's one or two teams that you're like, holy crap – or Missouri is just one of the best teams, but they'll fly under the radar because they'll be a two-loss team not competing for a conference championship. Yeah, I mean, I think NIL and the portal have helped even things out. Um, you know, the free transfer rule, I think there's more parity than there's been in a lot of years. I, I do think the gap between, you know, 1 and 2 and 12 and 15 is smaller. Um, and, look, I've pointed this out since they went to the 12-team playoff. I said, if you're a fan of anybody other than, like, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, you know, that level of team, I, like, I think there's eight to ten programs that start every year with realistic hopes of winning a national title. I, if you're a fan of any one of the teams other than that, you should be thrilled with this 12-team playoff. And I can't tell you, I've had a lot of Missouri fans say, no, uh, 12-team playoff, dumb. The same teams are going to win it. Number number 12 never has a chance. The point is you have a chance. Before you had no chance, now you have a chance. Whether that's 2%, 5%, 40%, whatever you want to think it is, you now have a chance when previously you had no chance. I, uh, any fan of any program outside of those like 8 to 10 that think this is a bad thing, I question your mental faculties um, <laughs> because – I mean, think about it. even if Missouri's number 11, right? That means you're playing number six. So you're talking about like Missouri going to Oregon in a college football quarterfinal uh, or Sweet 16 game, whatever it would be. I, how incredible would that be? And if you have a year where you get up to like number seven, you are hosting the biggest sporting event in the history of this university. I, I mean, that weekend in Columbia would be insane. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want this. Yeah, I don't. I yeah, I don't know either. I think it's such a great thing because it doesn't lose. You don't lose the integrity of the three and a half hours of a college football game on a Saturday, like what I feel Missouri or Major League Baseball has done to the regular season by twelve teams getting in after playing one hundred sixty-two games. It's just a crapshoot. I love it. I don't you're know. talking about twelve of one hundred and thirty-three in college football, right? You still have to be good, and people say, well. It makes the regular season not matter because now Ohio State-Michigan doesn't matter because they're both getting in anyway. Well, it matters in that one of those teams is winning the conference title and one isn't. Right. And also, it makes Missouri – like Missouri-Tennessee is legitimately a play-in game for the playoff if next year. It's not that this year. Right, it's, exactly. That's that's game, that's where I'm going with it, yes. There would yeah, be, there'd so be no chance of a letdown this Saturday if you're still playing to be one of the top 12 teams in the country. And I'm not saying that there will be a letdown, but you you st- matter less, but it makes more games matter. But either way, Ohio State, Michigan are playing for a bye week. And in college football and like right. baseball, that's a good thing. So 
uh, it, that's got in, incredible value. So either way, I, I get where you're coming from on it. Colonel, great coverage by uh, Power Mizzou. Uh, you and Gerard being there and writing columns. Tip of the cap to Power Mizzou for uh, being there. And uh, and you guys have done a hell of a job. And with basketball season starting tonight, you got uh, that, Doug. I know you were mm. you're, you're big Arkansas Pine Bluff guy. So you've followed them many, many years. Well, yeah. you'll be, Doug will be on with you later on today breaking down Arkansas Pine Bluff. Okay? <laughs> they can just stay well, healthy. That's good because I need some help. I, these early <laughs> season games are the ones I go to and I ask somebody next to me like tell me something about this team they're playing like name a player what their mascot is and just let me know something. it doesn't matter who they are but they got some tall kids and they got a couple who can shoot and if they can stay healthy stay out of foul trouble not turn the ball over they got a shot to give you trouble okay Good to know. <laughs> yeah. It seems fairly generic. Thank you, Colonel. All right, guys. Have a good there day. There he is. Uh, Gabe DeArmond, PowerMizzou.com. I mean, if you're a fan of the Dolphins or the Chiefs, you're locked in on that game. It, it still means something. What are we talking about here? We know the Dolphins and the Chiefs are both going to likely make the playoffs, but yeah. everybody's still locked into that regular mm-hmm. season game. Yeah, I, I love I love it. I hope it doesn't turn Elbow into what I worry it yeah, will, where all you. of a sudden it's like 48 teams are in like in, in 10 years. Uh, very interesting that Gabe didn't dunk on us about sporting Kansas City. No. Oh, yeah. oh, he could have. Yeah. Wide open. Yeah, let me ask you this. You think in light of the season that they've had, as well as they played Saturday, where their ranking is, has Drinkwitz silenced most of his detractors at this point? Sure. 90% of them. I would imagine Can so. they yeah. shut up? I mean, there were some who, who popped out after that game were really upset about the end of the first half, and it's like they were looking for something I felt like. But again, like I said, even if they would have lost by 40 points from my individual standpoint, the, the, the jury is already in on the progress the program has made, and I feel like that's universal. I felt like the program made progress last year but i understand why people would would say otherwise just because they they clear they weren't getting stopped by people yeah. and they were they really did have two games that were in their back pockets that that were robbed now i understand you know they had a couple that that went their way that they could have lost um what i what what I, where i am now is like holy crap this team is a great team that probably won't necessarily go down as one of the great missouri teams it, it, because they're not going to be in a spot where they're competing for a conference championship. So it would remind me like of the 1998 team, which I realize the vast majority of people don't remember, but that's kind of my point. I don't think I realized how good they were, and that's why I guess maybe I'm more at peace with it. Um, because you go, why did Georgia win that? Yeah, there certainly were some questionable calls, but Georgia was on the receiving end of some questionable calls. But they don't make mistakes. They're talented, and they don't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing about it. They don't make mistakes. They're so well coached, and they're able to execute that. And then when Missouri was out playing them, they made adjustments at the half, and you go, yeah. I mean, but Missouri didn't go down there scared. And so many teams, I listen to these national podcasts, James, because I, I like to get outside the bubble, especially the local crap and uh and they're like i mean is gabe wrote this morning he he doesn't recall a game in which a program's opinion missouri's program in particular opinion improved with a loss loss, yeah got to go back to 1997 when they lost on the flea kicker to nebraska where they went from out of the rankings to into the rankings with a loss wow and so this is the theme, and I kind of thought almost people would just like look at the score. Oh yeah, thirty to twenty-one. That's about right. A little closer than I would have expected. But people watched that game, and they're going, "Holy crap!" Georgia, without question, was tested more there 
than they have been. I'm anxious to see what happens with Ole Miss this weekend, just from a position of being curious um, as to you know how Georgia will respond and and how how good Ole Miss is because I'm not real sold. I kind of have Miss. my lock of the week is the over total for Georgia is 30 and a half. Ooh, I would hammer that. I mean, Ole Miss gave up to th- 35 to A&M at home. A&M is not a good wow. offense. That, as you say that, that is intriguing. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to check the forecast before jumping on it, but that is that is intriguing. I'm just, I mean, to get in the backfield on Carson Beck, that yeah. guy's been like. You know, I was listening to these guys on Saturday Night on South. They're like, we would interview Stetson Bennett after games, and his jersey looked like he didn't even play. He looked like he was holding the clipboard because they, teams could just can't get to. And Missouri was in the backfield. And then for the most, I know they have the false starts, and Georgia's doing that goofball it thing. It was loud, yeah. But, yeah, you're going to have false starts. That's going to happen yep. down there. So you're gonna, it's going to happen on the road in, in college football in general if you're playing in a venue with a program that that, that is at the level of Georgia. So, Palsy, are you now a Drinkwitz disciple and sycophant? <clears throat> I think what I he think there's a can't difference between. Hmm? I mean, like I said, don't love the personality. I, they still haven't won that big, big game. You know, this year you kind of lose your two, you know, High price games with the LSU and and obviously with um, Georgia. You played close in both of them, but yeah. I don't know if he's gotten over the hump. He's certainly completely changed what I thought he could do in the recruiting landscape, especially in the state of Missouri. So I, I'm pleasantly yeah, surprised. Good. I still don't think he's you know a messiah. I, I, I feel yet. like the recruiting thing is 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 almost an it's a different kind of deal because NIL is playing such a role in the recruiting. Mm-hmm. What I'm excited about. Is is the team and the performance with regards to uh, delegating to an offensive coordinator and the step that that has has taken, and the fact that the team clearly, you know, in a game in which you could go, God, let's just kind of hold serve. They went in there to win it, and they believed they could win it. There was real disappointment there. I kind of felt like it was like, ah, it's LSU, you know, we'll be fine. I'm like, man, you should have beaten LSU. So that's why I was really pleased to see what we saw in. Uh, on Saturday. James, uh, we are late and we'll see uh, because I got to go at uh, 10 down the hallway. We got to go. But thank you as always for the great James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Wonderful sponsor of the Colonel here on TMA. Uh, If you are injured in an accident, things can spiral out of control quickly. You may have medical bills piling up. Well, that's where C.D. Longo and Doug Biggs of the Longo Biggs Injury Law Firm. They'll take all the complication and hassle out of your injury claim. They'll deal with the insurance company and take the fight head on, allowing you to get back to what's important, which is recovering from your injuries. You're going to get personal attention as either Doug or CD will personally handle your case, and you'll get to know them as well as they get to know you in every last detail of your case. CD and Doug are TMA listeners. They are local. They are trial lawyers, meaning they won't settle if there is an obstacle or complication in your case. In fact, most cases have them. Go to longobigs.com. Longobigs.com. Longobigs Injury Law accepts personal injury, wrongful death, brain injury, and other catastrophic injury cases. Longobigs.com. Remember, the choice of an attorney is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. Jackson, tell the people about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wall Strategies. Well, I work with Mark Hanna, and uh, I can tell you firsthand that the first phone call you have with him, you're going to realize that this is somebody you want in your corner, especially when someone uh, is handling your financial future. It's so important to take care of that, and you want someone who knows what they're doing uh, when you're talking about your financial future. You want somebody with the wisdom and who can convey that message, and Mark embodies that better than anyone I've ever talked to. So if you don't have anybody, if you don't really have a plan going forward, you just kind of figure it out as you go, it's a bad plan, a good plan. 
is working with Mark Hanna. That's why I work with Mark Hanna. That's why you should work with Mark Hanna. There it is, 314-889-0503, or go online at evergreenstl.com. I need to tend something here with regards to show business, and that opens up a minute or two for uh, members of the dais to get to know each other better. Can I throw something out? Oh, sure. Please throw it out if you would. I haven't talked in 45 minutes, so i got to get something in there. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I'm just working on music, tri- working on? music trivia for Saturday. Oh. During the show you're doing No, it? I was doing it while Mark was in here. I was in the back. Mark Mark James Carlton. James Mark James Carlton. Carlton. I always get Mark Hannon and James Carlton. They come in Monday and Wednesdays. Yeah, they look exactly like him. <laughs> they do the same thing. James did Carlton. you come up with some good questions? I did. Um, you're proud of him, too, aren't you? <laughs> well, I mean... They're not that hard, but I know people will bitch about it. Oh, who knows that? Uh-oh. We don't know rock. Ah. They won't go, ah, at the ah. end. Um, I have a favor if anybody wants to help. Um, I usually, I did this on the fan page. Last time I moved, I'm not on the fan page. Um, I have a lot of friends on the fan page. I'm just not there. Fair question. Uh, I'm mo- <laughs> yeah, I'm moving Sunday right, ne- right next door. This, my neighbor moved out, and I'm moving in there because my they say my pipes are getting ready to broke. i got to move for the second time in three years. Um, but I'm moving Sunday. So if anybody can help Sunday about 10 o'clock, I'll supply the beer. Good beer this time. Bud you want Light people and, to come over and move for you? No, help me move. I mean, okay. i got couches and end tables and beds, things I can't lift. Okay. Uh, with my shoulder, I really don't want to lift anything. Uh, so, yeah. Is there money in the people to help you? I'm going to need somebody to carry over like my blender. So what is the offer? Just if you can come over and help me move Sunday. Oh, <laughs> there so ain't no offer. Free beer. I mean, you're doing, I'm asking for a favor. I mean, you know, you don't have to, Request. but it's just a favor I'm asking. Who it's, will move the Vera Wang comforter? <laughs> well, I can move that. I just need somebody to move the bed. Who will move the four boxes and the dresser? Well, I'm throwing them away. No! I have to. I'm not... I'm not I wouldn't Moving touch him. him. <laughs> um, but anyway, if anybody, I know Beercast came last time and a couple other people, and he bitched about the beer. And I don't blame you. It was old beer, and it was 2D That's what you beer. bought him, old beer? Wasn't it 2016 coffee stout? Yeah, I think so. Oh. <laughs> Room temperature. Yeah. I, have a, I have a couple cases of Bud Light, so uh, I set that up. Anybody can come help move. It shouldn't take long. I'm only moving 10 feet. I'm moving from How apartment How long would it three take two or three guys, four. strapping lads? To... Well, I'm hoping they give me the keys today. But they're balking on that, even though they gave me no notice to move. They called me Friday. Your keys are ready. Come move in. What? Nobody told me it was even ready. Bill, Bill, Bill. So I just said, can I pick them up Monday and I can start moving little stuff over throughout the week and then when Mm -hmm. I move Sunday? Oh, we don't do that. Only three days in advance. I said, well, what does it matter? I'm already living here. I'm paying for this place. I'm just going to. So anyway, hopefully I can get some keys today and start moving. But Sunday, I need to move the big stuff. So if anybody's available Sunday, just DM me. I'll take care of the beer, and I will give you a big thank you for helping sandwiches? me Sandwiches? Do they get sandwiches? Yeah, what about them? I might buy pizza. Nice. But just, it shouldn't you take might. long. It shouldn't, not sure it shouldn't take long. There's not a lot of big things except for bed, dresser, some yeah. end tables, stuff like that. Um, you ever put those sliders underneath the heavy stuff and just... I have to wrap up. I'm sorry. sorry. I have to. Otherwise, there you go. Uh, there it is. Just DM me. If you can, okay. uh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> I like moving talk. I like moving talk. Mentality. If you're feeling sluggish, you might be dealing with low testosterone. Go to lowtusa.com and work with Mentality. That is a local healthcare facility that is designed to help gentlemen if they are dealing with low testosterone get tested. I did. Super easy and friendly staff at Mentality. Low T USA. 
Testosterone.com. The normal range for testosterone is large, and if you have not met with somebody about testosterone, people might not realize that. you got to check on the free testosterone. It's LowTUSA.com. It's Mentality online at LowTUSA.com. Go out there and get tested. I did, and it was super easy to do. We are giving away a table for our TMA Trivia Night for the Design Air Heating and Cooling. Email the day! I'm not an expensive person. I can't butt <laughs> votes for EMOTD. I'm not an expensive person. I can't butt votes for EMOTD. Buy. I can't buy them. But I'm willing to throw sexual favors around like they're Frisbees. Oh. I'm willing to give out three ki- handies at trivia for the voters. I'll let you guys decide who is the odd man out. But this email is about anus gashes. Oh. Super Jam, a full moon, Bush Stadium, 1980, was hotter than the Sunset Hills Men's Club sauna. Sunset Hills is a men's club? Not that I know of. Judas Priest had just finished their set, and the Red Rocker was about to take the stage. All of a sudden, a khaki security guard grabbed my, my, my. Left out me. Sweaty wrist and said, come with me. You are busted for underage drinking. He takes me backstage and said, hey, man, I was just kidding. I'm not going to bust you. How else was I going to get you away from all those other guys? Only thing I'm going to be busting your backside. Oh. As I anxiously anticipated a finger or two. Oh. I felt what can best be described as a gentle yet forceful tongue. Oh. As I grabbed his ears before he started howling to the moon and just went wild. Before I knew it, dude turned into Warren Zevon. Three seconds later, my right cheek was bleeding profusely. My anaconda don't want none unless your name's Doug Vaughn. What in the world? Jackson, you let this one through? That's right. You didn't find anything objectionable with this email? Amanda's tossed duck salad. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you swim in deep waters, you might you might drown. Think well, about I'm that. I'm not swimming in deep waters. I'm just <laughs> sitting here. I don't know what to tell you. Gosh, that was vile. <laughs> Who was it, Tim? Uh, my anaconda don't want none unless your name's Doug Vaughn. He's trying to rhyme Dunn and Vaughn. That's correct. Well, sir, mix a me. My anaconda Dunn. <laughs> Hi. After what was one of the more painful weekends in local sports, there were obviously a lot of us still hurting. Mizzou had a legit chance to knock off one of the best college football teams in recent memory and give themselves a real chance at an SEC championship and a possible berth in the college football playoffs. Then just 24 hours later, the upstart doggies hiked their leg and pissed all over the great inaugural season they had and were vanquished by sporting real Kansas City Metro (laughs) FCSC. So, yeah, color us fans of both teams with delusions of championship grand are disappointed. But luckily, Ken was there to pick us up by our bootstraps and give us the psychotherapy we needed with tales of him burning the only $75 Bermudian dollars he had to his name in the oven because he was worried about the Van Buren boys breaking in and stealing it and his vagabond trench coat wearing doppelgangers stumbling all over Maryland Heights buying smut magazines at the local Quickie Mart. And it almost made us forget that our beloved Tigers lost a chance of something truly special happening that hasn't happened since Jackson was skipping first period home ec to listen to the show on his BlackBerry in the Ledoux Horton Watkins parking lot. Thank you, Ken. We need you today, and you delivered. Mm-hmm. Run that back, pop, pop. Run that back, pop, pop. He's new. In 1987, Belinda Carlisle famously told us that heaven is a place on earth, and she was right. 
Later, an underwhelming Texican rock band with almost <laughs> no talent asked how far oh, is heaven. <laughs> well, friends, it's not far at all because I contend if you're in St. Louis, you're already in heaven. Yeah. That could be a new slogan. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Where else can you see thousands of toothless, tattooed Hoosiers with their shirts off smoking cigarettes inside of a poorly lit building with abysmal acoustics? Sounds like heaven to me, and judging by the number of obese hill people at the Metallica concert last night, apparently most of Jefferson County was in attendance too. Furthermore, when I picture heaven, I think of fluffy white clouds. Along those same lines, it's no coincidence that St. Louis features mysterious clouds of steam inexplicably billowing out of every manhole cover and sewer drain. What's more, that mystery vapor smells like my grandfather's soiled diaper that's been baking in the sun for mm. two days. Okay. Is it toxic gas? Is it harmful if I swallow? Oh. Where does it come from? No one knows. Sounds divine to me. Do you like stepping in a homeless person's fresh puddle of piss on the way to a concert? Oh. Well, you can find that and many more angelic amenities in the loo. Do you want heavenly public transportation? St. Louis prides itself on a genius little racket called the Metrolink, which is really just a string of mobile homeless shelters disguised as trains, conveniently arriving every 20 to 30 minutes. Mm. Nothing says heaven like leaving a concert at 10.45 so you can get home by 12.30 on a school night. Talk about convenience. And if Metallica, one of the most popular bands in the world, can almost sell out the Dome, imagine how packed that place would be if something really big like the NIT came to town. Oh, That's yeah. from the JV Golf Coach. JV Golf Coach. And finally, morning, guys. Great show. Didn't listen. Anyway, you guys have a taxi sponsor yet? The amount of times I've had to hail a cab to get to the end of one of Iggy's mid-conversational hijackings that brings the initial conversation to a screeching halt is astonishing. Tim asked for help. <laughs> I don't know, just figured I'd shove money in the pockets of one of your sponsors versus the sticker bus or loop trolley or Metrolink or broken down 590 Hummer and Zumwalt South Class of 2008 sticker on the bumper. Ah, yes, St. Louis Public Transport. Thanks, I'll be outside Rozelle's jangling some dimes and nickels in my oversized Steve Harvey box suits with oversized front pockets. Pockets, that would be a hell of a nickname. Thanks, that's from, I'll be outside Rozelle's jangling some dimes. Oh, not Bucks Wolf? No. no. I'll Bucks be outside Rozelle's. Was jangling. it Rozelle's or Rozelle's? Rozelle's, I don't remember. I bought some Stacy Adams there once. What are Stacy Adams? Shoes. Uh, it's 10 o'clock, so I got to I gotta okay, go. Okay, I'll vote for JV Golf Coach. JV Golf Coach. JV Golf Coach has got himself a table to trivia night. Mm. Courtesy of Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. It is this Saturday at St. Gabriel's. Going to be a pony. Uh, get your tickets and tables at TMASTL.com. $45 gets you. Unbelievable. All your salt and smoke and all your AB products. Plus, you can bring food and drink as well. Doors open 630. Trivia starts at 730. TMSTL.com. Congratulations, JV Golf Coach. Jackson and I are going to go down the hallway, deal with it, switch over to YouTube to the 101 ESPN channel, and uh, enjoy the fun and games that is Balloon Party for the Plowlock, for Action Jackson, for Kenneth E. Strode, for the Kevin, for Douglas on Vaughn, up to McCurdy, this bed the morning after. Sponsored by Brown and Crouppen from the Michelob Ultra Studios.